You're listening to Pastor Don Cherry from Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church, recorded Sunday, August 15, 2021. For more information about our church, you can visit our website, svbcfamily.com, or find us on all things social at svbcfamily. We have a wonderful God, don't we? A wonderful Lord. I think we get so wrapped up in everything that's going on in our world today that we tend to forget that. We need to understand that God's in control. God is in control. Sometimes it doesn't seem like that. I'm sure the children of Israel, on a number of occasions, they thought that when they were being invaded. Remember when the armies of Babylon and the armies of Persia and such as like that came in? They probably thought, where's God? Does God even know what, what, what's going on? Does God, does, is God even in control? And yet we see God is in control. Wonderful God. And more precious than anything we could ever desire. We're going to look to three different scriptures today. You might want to just write these down because I'm not going to turn to all of them. Matthew 28, Acts 2. In Revelation chapter 3. Some of you might remember, I don't think it's been quite a year ago, but a singer by the name of Kenny Rogers passed away. Oh. Now he was one of the ones I enjoyed growing up. I remember Kenny Rogers when he was with the first edition. You remember that? When he first started off back in the 60s, early 70s. And then of course he went solo. Um, did a couple wonderful duets, one with uh, Kim Carnes, one with Dolly Parton and all. And, um, you know, just, just had a great career as far as that goes. Went into the movies, remember The Gambler, the Gambler series that they had. Uh, you know, so he had quite a noted career in that. Well, one of the songs that he did when he was with the first edition was called Just Dropped In. And then the tag of that song was To See What Condition... My condition is in. How many of y'all remember that? Some of you remember those days back then. Yeah, exactly. Just to see what condition my condition is in. And I want to talk to you about condition a little bit today. And I think you, you would agree with me that today we could say our world is not in too great a condition. Amen? I mean, we watch it. We hear it. We see it. We experience. We understand what is going on in our culture today. For instance, you know, we have the whole thing going on with the COVID now, you know, and so we have, you know, do we get a shot? Do we not get a shot? Do we put a mask on? Do we not put a mask on? Are the kids going to be in school or are they not going to be in school? And all this, the, the conflicting information and one thing that's going out there, you know, it, you know that, that, that's cause for concern, you know, I think. And then there's the whole LGBT thing. And maybe you've seen here where recently Loudoun County and everything has opened up the uh, schools as far as the uh, restrooms go to whatever gender you feel you are on that day, okay? So now this is going on that we see. The whole critical race theory and the fact that, you know, if, uh, if, if you are not a person of color and everything, then you have enjoyed white privilege and, you know, you should be ashamed of yourself, you know, for, but, you know, when I think of that, you know, they talk about people of color, right? Well, I don't know about you, but the last time I opened a box of crayons, white was a color. Amen? I mean, it's in there, okay? But yet, such like, as like this, the, the whole purpose is to divide. 
everything. It's not to bring together. It's not to unite. Everything is to divide, and we're seeing this in our culture. Lawlessness that is taking place, violence, unrest, and all. And, and I think because of all this, we're seeing heightened anxiety leading to increasing levels of addiction in every which way you can imagine. So I think if we were to look back and, all, and see, we would say that, you know what, our world's not in all that great a condition. But here's the thing that I want to bring out. And you've been around it before. We've all heard preaching on the last days, haven't we? And all we have all studied the Bible as such. And all you have listened to prophecy teachers and one thing after another that talks about the end times, the last days. And oftentimes we look at particular factors that the scripture says is going to be, you know, that define those last days. For instance, Matthew chapter 24. Romans chapter 1. And if you would do a cursory reading of these, you would look and say, oh, yes, we're here. I mean, this is right now. And it's real easy for us to point at the corruption in government, okay, as part of his last days. It's very easy for us to look at the immorality of Hollywood and even the violence that they promote in their movies and games and one thing after another like that. You know, so we, we can look at it in different ways, and it's real easy to blame and put the blame on those things. But, you know, when it comes to the last days, and I'll be honest with you, I've not necessarily preached it. I, haven't remember, I can't remember a sermon directly corresponding to this. But I think if we're going to take a true look at the last days, and if we're going to look at the condition of the last days, then I think we have to take a close look at the condition of the church in the last days, okay, that, 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 that just kind of ties in with what we are seeing going on in our culture today. The thing about it is, it's real easy to point a finger at the other guy, isn't it? Let's face it, we can do that. We can point the finger at government. We can point the finger at Hollywood. We can point the finger at the educational system. We can point the finger anywhere we want, but the most difficult place to point the finger is at the person in the mirror, Okay. We have a hard time doing that. And I want to look at just the condition of the church today for a moment and all in relation to the time that we are living, these last days that we are indeed living. I want to present to you this morning both a predicament and a prescription. I want to present to you a predicament and a description. In Matthew chapter 28, we see the mission of the church, don't we? In other words, Jesus says, here is the reason that you have been established. And he says that we are to go with a particular message. What is that? That is the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And we understand that the gospel is the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. And all that is the good news that man needs to hear today. That is the message that you and I today, if you are a saved, born-again child of God, we have responded to, haven't we? That gospel message. And then he says we are to baptize those and everything who have followed in an act of obedience, you know, once they have come to faith. And then what are we to do? We are to disciple. We are to teach. We are to train. We are to engage them with the Word of God, not just from a knowledge standpoint, but also from an application standpoint, okay? Because after all, didn't Jesus say, if you love me, keep my commandments. And not just keep, but also 
Do. That, that's how we keep his commandments, by doing what he has instructed and guided us to do. So that is the mission of the church. We need to understand that. I think in many ways we try to make things complicated. Okay, And we see that the church is, in a lot of ways, and when I say the church, I'm talking about an umbrella term, okay? I'm not talking specifically Shenandoah Valley. I'm not talking specifically Calvary. I'm not specifically talking about abundant life. I'm just talking about the church in general. That I think in a lot of ways we have lost sight of this simple mission that Christ has given us. All right, And I want to reiterate that. I want to bring that to your remembrance. And then in Acts chapter 2, you see the success of the church. And here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with the ch church being successful. All right? Nothing wrong with that. Matter of fact, if you go back in the Old Covenant, you know, the Bible tells us everything that if we will keep and do the Word of God and be obedient to that, He said, you'll be good success. You'll have good success. So God's not against success. I think we have to define what the term success means and all. Because if you look there in Acts you'll see that they, they had success. For instance, Acts, early in Acts chapter 2, everything 3,000 people came to faith, amen? Came to faith in Christ. A couple chapters later and everything, 5,000 people came to faith in Christ. And then after that, they just quit counting because there were so many of them, you see. And all through that first century and all, we could say that the church experienced wonderful success. And even think about the church today, 2,000 years later. Have we not established schools? Have we not established hospitals? Have we not established orphanage? Have we not sent missionaries all around the world? Have we not done what we would call great and wonderful things and all for the Lord? You know, but yet, if we look in Revelation chapter 3, we see the church's demise. Because in Revelation chapter 3, you know, he mentions a church by the name of Laodicea. And in his address to that church, not only does Jesus say, there's not a thing I can commend you on, but in all actuality, you are giving me heartburn. That's exactly what he pointed out. You are giving me heartburn. So how did we get to the place to where here... We were seeing wonderful things take place, and we have seen things, but we've gotten to a place now that when Christ addresses us, he has nothing good to say, that you turn my stomach. Now, those aren't my words. Read Revelation chapter 3. Look at that. Isn't that what he says? That's what he says, isn't it? But how can that be? Look at the wonderful buildings we have. Look at our nice padded pews. Look at, look at all these things and everything that we do in the name of Christ. But yet the church of the last days, you see, we often forget and we often fail to look in the mirror. And not only is it government corruption, not only is it Hollywood mentality, not only is it violence and lawlessness, but it's a church that the Lord has nothing good to say about. And when we talk about the church, folks, who are we talking about? Come on, raise your hand. Who are we talking about? Uh-huh. We're not talking about this building we're sitting in, are we? We're not talking about this hill we're sitting on, are we? 
Because you and I, dear friend, are the church. You see, we are the church. So what's the predicament? How in the world did we get to this place after experiencing over the centuries so much? Well, first of all, I want you to consider some things. First of all, the Bible says in the last days, there'll come a falling away. There'll be an apostasy. He didn't say an apostasy of government. He didn't say an apostasy of the education system. He didn't say apostasy of the tax code. He said apostasy among those who name him. A falling away. And in the last days, the Bible says that when they knew God, they worshiped him not as God, but served the creature more than the creator. Having a form of godliness, and we have that today, don't we? We dress up in our good clothes. We come to church. We carry our Bible. We put our offering in. We, we, we leave a track here and there. But yet, God says, not one good thing have I to say. Why? Why is that? An apostasy, which means a willing rejection of the truth. Now, there's not a person in here. There's not a person in here today that would hold their Bible up and say, I don't believe that this is the Word of God. I mean, if there is, we need to talk afterward, okay? But you, you understand where I'm getting at. You would not hold your Bible up and say, no, I don't believe this is the Word of God. But nonetheless, nonetheless, have we re willingly rejected God's Word? Have we rejected the Word of God when it comes to our marriage? Have we rejected the Word of God when it comes to our child rearing? Have we rejected the Word of God when it comes to our finances? Have we rejected the Word of God when it comes to our intimate relationship with Him? Absolutely we have. If you be honest, we have. Whether by omission or commission, we have. You see. Some of our friends on Capitol Hill that tend to lean way left, have referred to our Constitution as an inconvenient document. An inconvenient document. Yeah, it's there, but, you see. Yeah, it's there. We understand that that's the foundation of our laws and of our land, but. After all, it was written way long time ago. It was written in a different area now. And it needs to be a living document. It needs to adjust as society adjusts and progresses and evolves. I guess that's the word you would use. Unfortunately, I wonder, folks, if that same attitude hasn't made its way into the church when it comes to the Word of God. Amen or oh me. You see what I'm saying? Yes, we have our Bibles. We open our Bibles. You know, we read out of our Bibles, but it was written a long time ago. It was written in a different era. Things have changed and everything, so maybe we need to change it along there. And though we would never physically say that, maybe our lives in some way have reflected that have reflected that. You see what I'm saying? Has the Word of God become an in inconvenient document in the church today? That's something we need to think about. 
apostasy, a falling away. Secondly, disunity within the body. Now I'm going to bring out a scripture. I want you, I hope you will, I hope you'll take it home. I hope you'll study it. I hope that you'll find out what it's talking about. Proverbs chapter 6. In Proverbs chapter 6, there is a list there. I think it begins in verse 17. Don't quote me on that. In Proverbs chapter 6, there's a list. And it says there's seven things that God hates. Okay, God hates seven things. And the last one of those, number seven, now listen to the wording of it, says those that sow discord among the brethren. Did you hear that? Everybody hear what I said there? What did it say? Those that sow discord among the brethren. Operative word, those. See what I'm talking about? In other words, of the things that God hates, that number seven, that thing that he hates, and I believe hates with a passion, are those who would bring disunity to his body. Those who would sow deception, deceit, division within his body. Now, as far as this church, let me tell you, as far as my three and a half years, it's been three and a half years. You realize that? I had more here when I was, came first. You know that? I think. You see what happens. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding you. But anyhow, I think, it's been a while. It's been good. And you know what? I want to tell you something right now. I appreciate and I am grateful for the spirit of this church. There is a good spirit here at Shenandoah Valley. And everything. And I appreciate that and everything. And you know what? People notice that when walking. That's one of the things I ask people who visit. Hey, did you feel welcome? How do you say, man, you got a good spirit. That's one thing we ought to strive for more than anything. We ought to strive. I remember a pastor telling my father-in-law one time, and all dad was a little concerned about, you know, some of the things of the church. And this old preacher told him, he said, do not worry about the attendance. Do not worry about the offerings. He said, you keep the spirit right. You wouldn't keep that spirit. He said, you'll work through anything. You know, God will enable you to work through anything. But here's the thing, when we talk about, okay, so we don't here have a disunity, all right? However, can you tell me that the church of Jesus Christ today on the larger scale, can you tell me that it's totally unified? It's not, is it? If it were, I can't help but think that every born-again believer would be meeting at one place today. But instead, we're meeting at various different places, aren't we? And then let's go and see, hey, let's come together and do some better together. Let's work on that. We can do some things like that and everything. Oh, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah, but, you know, you guys use contemporary music. Okay, what has that got to do with it? Oh, well, you know what? You over here, you let your women wear pants. All right, well, big deal. Hey, some of your guys and everything, you guys are bald. And your point is, you understand where I'm coming from? All these little things that we use to divide us instead of being unified. You see what I'm saying? Everybody get that? You understand what I'm saying today? And so is it any wonder that Christ said what he did in Revelation chapter 3? Let's move on. 
Apostasy, disunity, we've lost our first love. Now that goes all the way back to the church at Ephesus. But we lost that first love. What is that first love? That is a love of espousal. Now, I got to tell you, my wife and I have been married for 46 years. And I remember when we first met and everything, and we first fell in love and everything. It's like you're walking about yay off the ground. I mean, it's just a wonderful feeling, you know. I mean, it's nowhere near that today and all. But no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No. But you understand what I'm saying, man. There, you're in love. You remember the excitement. You remember, man, you can't wait to be with the other person. And now, eh, we take for granted, you know, no big deal. We get into a routine. Man, you used to go out and hold hands, you know. Now, I'll never forget. I got to tell you, this is so funny. It kind of shows you the type of girls I dated before I met Deb. Of course, Deb's from the South. She's from the Southwest, so she's got some of that Southwest mannerisms, okay, about her. I remember the first time we went out you know, by ourselves. We had gone on group dates, you know, but the first time we went out by ourselves. So we're going to go out to eat and pull in, you know, I pull the car in the restaurant, and I get out, and I start walking to the restaurant. And I'm talking and everything. I look over, and there's nobody there. She's sitting in the car. Back over there, open the door. She gets out. I think, I got a different girl here. You know? Yeah. So I learned. And don't you know, after all these years, I've forgotten to open the door for her. She opens it for herself. I've trained her right. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just kidding. You know, you know, if it's raining, I will. I'll make her open the door for me. But you know, I, I get that done anyway. Anyhow, no, we got to move on. It's been good, but we lost that first love. We lost that passion for Christ. What is that great commandment? Shall love the Lord your God. All your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love them how? Some of it? Part of it? Oh, you know. How many of you can remember right now? You can remember right now the moment you got saved. You remember that? Remember when you first came to faith in Christ and all? I don't know about you and everything, but when you say that sinner's prayer afterward, there's kind of like a, just a release. You know, there's that release. And even though as a young Christian, you don't know Zap, but you know, one thing you do know, man, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the King, you see. And there is a newness, there's a freshness, you see. There's an excitement there. And then we settle in over the years. We settle into the conformity, don't we? We settle into the routine. We settle into the rut what it gets down to. Is any wonder that the Lord doesn't have anything good to say? Then lastly, I think we become accepting of and acceptable of worldly standards. Worldly standards. And I'm not talking about the use of audiovisual. I'm not talking about stuff like that. I'm talking about we've softened when it comes to sin in our lives, you see. And again, like I said, it's real easy to point it out elsewhere, can't, don't we? 
We can point out the couple at work that's having an affair. We can point out the neighbor's kids who's out on drugs. We can point out everybody else's sin, but when we stand in the mirror, for some reason our eyes cross and we forget to look at one another, at ourselves. And we've softened. And we've made excuses. And we've eased the definitions. Think about it in our culture today. Infanticide is now pro-choice. We have a choice in the matter, you see. Homosexuality is now an alternative lifestyle, you know. And we tend to soften things. Even illicit sex, as long as it's consensual, it's okay. You see where I'm coming from? We've softened the standards, haven't we? You know. And I'm not talking, again, I'm not talking about audio, but I'm not talking about, you know, making sure our skirts are two inches below the day. I'm not, none of that junk. I'm talking about our personal lives when it comes to sin. We become accepting of things we should not. So what's the prescription? We got the predicament now, now let's look at the prescription. Go to Revelation chapter 3, if you would please. Revelation chapter 3. I want to look at verse 18. So the Lord's come down here to the church of Laodicea, which, by the way, the word Laodicea means rule of the people. Okay, you got that? Rule of the people. In other words, God's spirit is not leading. God's word is not what is a lamp in my feet and a light under my path. It's the rule of the people. It's what I want. All right? Laodicea. So it goes ahead and he goes through that and he says, man, you are lukewarm, you're not hot or cold. I will spew you out of my mouth. And then verse 17, uh, because you say that I am this, I'm rich, I'm increased with goods, have need of nothing, I want you to know. Now listen to the words of the Lord here, folks. That you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Now, here's the thing. If somebody stood in front of you and said that, those would be fighting words, wouldn't they? But this is the God of heaven. They're saying, here's my assessment of you. Lord, wait a minute and everything. Don't you, don't you see? Look at our pews. Aren't they nice? Lord, look at our property out here. It's so well manicured. Isn't that nice? We've got a piano. We've got a keyboard. We've got screens up here. Hey, Lord, this is great, isn't it? You're poor, you're wretched, you're miserable, you're blind, you're naked. So says the God of heaven. I didn't say that. And the immortal words of Elton John and everything, don't shoot me, I'm just a piano player. Okay? Now, verse 18. So after that, the Lord just doesn't stop there. He said, I've got, hey, I've got some advice for you. I'm going to give you some counsel here. Here. I want you to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that you may be rich, and white raiment, that you may be clothed, and that the shame of your nakedness do not appear, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. You know what the Lord's saying very simply? I'm going to sum it up this way. He's just saying, return to me. Return to me. Seek me. You'll find me. Come back to that time of intimacy. 
Come back to that time of relationship. Come back to that time that you remember and everything when we had that, 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 that intimate relationship. Come back to me. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Peter said, who are we going to follow? You are the one that has the word of life, and it is the word of life that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Listen, I enjoy Christian radio. There's a lot of guys on there. I get a lot out of their messages. And I'm so thankful for those. But folks, don't let that be a substitute for getting into the Word of God yourself. After all, the Bible says and everything to seek the Word, to study the Word, to meditate upon the Word, you see. That is our banner. That is our food. That is our strength. That is our nourishment. And then let's not forget this, and I'll close. The confession of sin. If we confess our sins, what will he do? He's what, Kathy? Faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from some of our unrighteousness. All, thank you. All unrighteousness. Confession of sin. What does the word confess mean? It means see sin like God sees it. How does God see sin? Take a look at the cross. You want a good look at sin, take a look at the cross. And you'll see that. Why is that? Man, Jesus was hung up on the cross. Yeah, but according to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he became sin who knew no sin, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. You see? You want to know what sin is like? Just take a look at the cross. Confess our sin, but also with that, accept his forgiveness. Accept it. We are the world's worst at beating ourselves up and looking back and saying, why did I do that? Why did I say that? If only I would have done this. And we beat ourselves up. We beat ourselves up that. But yet, the Bible tells us that not only does he forgive us, not only does he cleanse us, but you know what he does? He takes that sin, he separates as far as the east is from the west, and he remembers it no more. And by God forgetting, it just simply means that he will never bring that to your charge again. You see. And listen, folks, can I help you here? Don't just simply pray, God, forgive me my sin. What sin do you want him to forgive you of? God, I hurt my wife's feelings this morning. I criticized her cooking. It's small, but you know what? Give it to the Lord. Whatever else it might be. God, I saw this woman at work, and I shouldn't have thought like that. God, forgive me. This guy cut me off today on the road, and I gave him the universal sign of disapproval. God, forgive me of that. Get real. Get specific with God. The Bible says in the last days it have a form of godliness, and we've got it, don't we? We got the form down, but denying the power thereof. You see, denying the power thereof. Folks, remember, 
Remember who you are. And remember whose you are. I don't know if you ever heard of a guy. Used to travel with Jerry Falwell quite a bit. He's from West Virginia. A fellow by the name of Mac Evans. You know, he used to go and sing in all revivals and such like that. Mac died young. I think he was 48, 49 years old when he passed away. But the song that he was noted for, wherever he went and sang, whatever, you know, hey, Mac, sing your favorite song and everything. And his song was, I'm a child of the king. You remember that? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I'm a child of the king. His royal blood now flows in my vein. For once lost in sin, now I can claim. Praise God. Praise God. I'm a child of the king.